Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to ChemTrade Logistics Income Fund Q3 2020 results webcast and conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during this time, you will need to press star and the number one on your telephone keypad. If you require any further assistance at all, please press star zero. I would now like to turn the call over to Mr. Mark Davis, President and Chief Executive Officer. Please go ahead. Good morning. Uh, we thank you for joining us for our call today. I hope all of you are staying safe and well. Before we commence the review, I'd like to remind you our presentation contains certain forward-looking statements that are based on current expectations and are subject to a number of uncertainties and risks, and actual results may differ materially. Further information identifying risks, uncertainties, and assumptions, and additional information on certain non-RFIRS measures referred to in this call can be found in the disclosure documents filed by ChemTrade with the Securities Regulatory Authorities, available at SADAR.com. One of the non-IFRS measures we refer to on this, on this call is adjusted EBITDA, which is EBITDA modified to exclude only non-cash items. For simplicity, we'll just refer to it as EBITDA, and both of these terms are fully defined in our MDNA. As usual, Rohit Bardwaj is on the call today, but like the last two calls, we continue to be in different locations. As a reminder, ChemTrade falls under the essential business classification under U.S. state and Canadian provincial orders, so all of our operations have continued to operate during the COVID-19 pandemic. Our highest priority has been our employees' health and safety. By following the measures we've implemented, our employees have ensured that they can continue to work safely and supply our customers. Given the challenging circumstances created by the pandemic, our measures have been largely, largely effective. I wanted to start this call by again thanking each member of our workforce for their dedication and outstanding performance during these trying times. On this morning's call, Rohit will provide a review of our third quarter results and a number of financing initiatives we took during the quarter. But first, I have a few comments on the general market conditions that prevailed during the quarter. Our third quarter results reflected the various matters we refer to in our second quarter call. Results were affected by continued weak demand for certain products and the deferral of our Vancouver turnaround. I'll briefly discuss the macro conditions that prevailed during the quarter as these provide some context for Rohit's more detailed comments. As mentioned, COVID-19 adversely affected demand for certain of our products. It has not affected our water solutions business. However, the ongoing pandemic continues to affect demand for our regen merchant acid sodium chlorate hydrochloric or HCL products. Regen demand rebounded from its trough in the second quarter, but our third quarter demand 
was still about 10% lower than demand at the same time last year. Secondly, demand for merchant sulfuric acid, which is one of the world's most widely used chemicals, was also lower than last year due to the generally reduced level of economic activity. Thirdly, in our last call, we mentioned a decrease in the, in the demand for printing paper as more people worked from home. This affected our sodium chloride demand, which was weaker in the third quarter than last year, and frankly, weaker than we had expected. Finally, fracking activity and thus demand for HCL showed some improvement during the year, but remained well below 2019 levels. Turning to operations, a lack of contractors resulted in our deferring the planned third quarter turnaround of our North Vancouver chloralkali facility into the fourth quarter. This turnaround is now complete and the plant is up and operating well. Following our HITS reviews, I'll have some comments on the future economic environment facing Chemtrade. Rohit. Thank you, Mark. Good morning. I hope everybody is keeping well. Looking first at the aggregate results for the third quarter of 2020, revenue was $345.9 million, a decrease of $49.8 million from 2019. The decrease in revenue for the third quarter is primarily due to lower selling prices and lower sales volumes for hydrochloric acid and caustic soda in the, in the electrochemicals or EC segment, and lower sales volume of regen and merchant sulfuric acid in the sulfur products and performance chemicals or SPPC segment. Aggregate EBITDA for the third quarter of 2020 was $64.7 million compared with $90 million in the third quarter of 2019. For the third quarter this year, EBITDA was $25.4 million lower than last year. As I will outline shortly, this shortfall was attributable to the EC segment due to low caustic soda prices and reduced demand and prices for HCL and lower results in the SPPC segment. This was partially offset by stronger results from the water solutions and specialty chemicals or WSSC segment driven by our water business. Distributable cash after maintenance capex for the third quarter of 2020 was $12.1 million or 13 cents per unit. Distributions declared for the third quarter were 15 cents per unit. Now turning to segmented results for the quarter, SPPC generated revenue of $105.4 million compared with $127.8 million in 2019. The decrease in revenue in the third quarter of 2020 was primarily due to the COVID-19 pandemic, which resulted in lower sales volume for Regent and Merchant Acid and other SPPC products. The most significant factor that negatively affected EBITDA during the third quarter of 2020 was reduced demand for Merchant Acid and Regent services. Merchant Acid demand was lowered due to the reduced level of economic activity. As Mark noted, sulfuric acid is one of the world's most widely used chemicals government orders restricting non-essential travel and people working from home continue to reduce demand for gasoline. Therefore, refineries operated at lower utilization rates, which led to the reduced demand for region services. EBITDA for the third quarter of 2020 was $31 million, which was $12.6 million lower than 2019. Our WSSE segment reported third quarter revenue of $119.8 million, compared with $122.4 million in 2019. 
A slight decrease is due to lower sales volume of water solutions products and lower sales volumes of specialty chemical products, partially offset by higher selling prices for water solutions products. EBITDA improved to $29.2 million from the $24.3 million generated in 2019. The improvement was due to higher margins for water products, which benefited from higher selling prices and lower raw material costs. Our EC segment reported revenue of $120.7 million for the third quarter of 2020, which was $24.7 million lower than the same period of 2019. The lower revenue in the third quarter of 2020 was primarily due to lower sales volume for hydrochloric acid and caustic soda, and decreased selling prices by 30% for HCL and 11% for caustic soda. This was partially offset by a 4% increase in selling prices for chlorine. HCL demand from the fracking industry has been sharply lower during 2020, and this has resulted in our having to operate the North Vancouver facility at reduced rates. As a reminder, we have ample demand for caustic soda as our core region is short of domestic supply of caustic soda and relies upon Asian imports for the balance. We are constrained by our ability to place the chlorine molecule either as chlorine or as HCL. Our core region doesn't have a lot of demand for chlorine and we typically ship it as far as shipping rates allow. From an EBITDA perspective, EBITDA for the EC segment of $24.6 million for the third quarter of 2020 was $18.2 million lower than the same period of 2019. This was primarily due to lower selling prices for both caustic soda and HCL, as well as the effect of operating the North Vancouver facility at reduced rates. Our production rate was constrained by reduced demand for HCL. In the third quarter, net packs, that is selling prices less freight for HCL, were 43% lower compared to the same period of 2019. Turning to CapEx, maintenance CapEx in the third quarter was $17.3 million. Maintenance CapEx in 2020 continued to be difficult to predict, primarily because of the uncertainty of being able to find contractors to carry out the work due to the pandemic. If you're able to hire contractors, we estimate maintenance CapEx of between $75 and $80 million for 2020. Excluding unrealized foreign exchange gains, corporate costs in the third quarter of 2020 were $20.2 million compared with $20.8 million in the third quarter of 2019. The lower costs were primarily due to lower incentive compensation accruals. Turning to our balance sheet, during the third quarter, we took actions to completely redeem the debentures that were set to mature in 2021. To fund the redemption, we completed a public offering of $86.3 million principal amount of convertible unsecured debentures uh, with an interest rate of 8.5% per annum. These funds, plus availability under our credit agreement was used during and after the quarter ended to complete the redemption of the outstanding 2021 debentures at their face amount plus accrued interest for a total of $128.3 million. With the full redemption of the 21 debentures, we have no debt maturities until 2023. We maintain ample liquidity with US $227.8 million undrawn on our US $850 million credit facility. We are in compliance with all our bank covenants. I'll now hand the call back to Mark. Mark? Thank you, Rohit. Uh, the economic uncertainty caused by COVID-19 continues to prevent us from knowledgeably predicting with specificity the key elements necessary to make guidance meaningful. However, we can comment on certain key items that are expected to affect our earnings. 
we caution that COVID-19 continues to create a very fluid situation. And what we say is going to be based on our current understanding of our customers and our markets, which can and likely will change over time. Accordingly, the following comments should be read with extreme care, and we won't update them until our next MDNA. Turning to comments on certain elements contributing to Chemtrade's 2020 fourth quarter earnings are as follows. Regarding key facilities, as previously advised, we have a significant maintenance turnaround at one of our regen plants. The plant is tied to a once every five year major maintenance turnaround at this plant's refinery customer. Secondly is our North Vancouver chloralkali facility also has its biennial turnaround in the fourth quarter instead of the third due to availability of contractors. But as I mentioned, this has now been completed and the plant is back online. Some comment on demand for the fourth quarter is that demand for many of our products continues to be weaker uh, than last year due to COVID-19's effect on the economy. A couple particular comments, there's a fracking activity and thus demand for HCL has shown some improvement during the year and it remains well below 2019 levels. Demand for our regen services, which is dependent on gasoline demand, has been improving but is still about 10% below normal levels. Demand for printing paper remains low, as large number of people are working from home, which has led to a reduced demand for sodium chlorate. Finally, on the demand side, demand for our water products is stable. However, as a reminder, our fourth quarter is a seasonally low demand quarter with generally reduced water consumption in the winter months. You could also make a couple of comments on pricing. First, despite, the low, despite lower demand, pricing for most of our products is expected to remain stable in the fourth quarter. The main exception is pricing for caustic soda. The Northeast Asia spot index for caustic soda, which is very influential on our caustic selling price, settled at a very low level towards the end of the third quarter. It was approximately U.S. $50 per ton below the level relative to the same period in 2019. Turning to 2021, which is a more interest, I assume, uh, we can make some similar comments. First, on key facilities, we expect all of our plants to operate well during 2021 with only normal turnaround activity and no atypical turnarounds like we had in the fourth quarter this year with our regen plant. On the demand side, as a general statement, we've expected that COVID-19 will continue to affect demand for certain of our products in 2021. However, we expect our sales volumes for 2021 will be higher than 2020. Some more specific demand comments are as follows. With respect to WSSC, we expect demand for our water solutions business to be similar to 2020 and continue to be largely unaffected by COVID-19. Regarding SPPC, regen and ultra-pure volumes are expected to be higher than 2020, but still below pre-pandemic levels. And on merchant asset, we expect volume to be similar to 2020 levels. Regarding demand for our EC products, our North Vancouver chloralkali plant is expected to operate at a higher level than in 2020, 
when we had the biannual maintenance turnaround. The plant's operating rates in 2021 are expected to be constrained by HCL demand. If there's increased activity in the fracking industry and our HCL demand increases, we could run the plant at higher utilization rates. Finally, on the demand side, sodium chlorate demand should be higher than 2020, but still lower than historic levels. Demand will be affected by the extent of work from home during the pandemic reduces paper demand and thus reduces bleached pulp production. And finally, some comments on pricing. Most of our products did not experience cyclical pricing. However, caustic soda pricing, as most of you know, can move significantly. In 2021, we expect that the Northeast Asia spot index for caustic soda should move higher during the year. The long-term supply-demand characteristics still support upward price movements for many years. During 2021, pricing is expected to start increasing and to continue increasing for at least several years. Recall that we generally incur a quarterly lag between our caustic soda price and movements in the index. Due to this lag, unless the price indexes move up soon, the annual index level for 2021 is expected to be lower than 2020, despite the upward movement during the year. Finally, given the reduced demand for sodium chlorate, there could be some pressure on sodium chlorate selling prices during 2021. To summarize, we believe that the severity of COVID-19 in 2020 will result in 2020 being a trough year for chemtrade. This has been much more than a typical recession. In a typical recession, parts of our business such as regen and chlorate are not as adversely affected as they were in 2020. These businesses were hurt because of the curtailment of non-essential travel and the requirement of people to work from home as opposed to just the typical reduction in demand experienced in an economic recession. We expect 2021 to be better than 2020 and as the effects of COVID-19 on the economy dissipates, we are well positioned to take advantage of better economic conditions and generate higher earnings. I would like to add that these comments were, uh, were all drafted and prepared, as was our MDA, before the recent announcement of the Pfizer vaccine. Uh, we actually have no particular view about how quick and how effective that vaccine will, will change the effect of the pandemic but obviously the quicker people and the economy gets back to normal, the quicker we'll benefit from it. As a final comment, I'd like to conclude by letting you know that this will be my last conference call. As you will have seen in our news release of yesterday, I've decided to retire on February 28th, 2021, at which point I will also be stepping down from the board. Scott Rook will be appointed to CEO and the board on March 1st, 2021. Scott is well prepared to drive improvements in Chemtrace performance. And he, of course, along with Rohit, will be happy to answer future questions on future calls. Thank you. That concludes our remarks. And operator uh, Rohit and I will be pleased to answer any questions. Okay. Thank you. So at this time, if anybody would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. That is star one on your telephone keypad. Your first question will come from Jewel Jackson from BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open. 
Uh, good morning, uh, Mark Rowett. Um, a couple, a couple questions. I'll, I'll go one by one. Um, obviously, the fourth quarter is typically your weakest quarter. You've called that out uh, this year as well. The last couple of years, we've seen the fourth quarter be about 20 million EBITDA lower um, than the third quarter. So sequentially, this year you've got some heavy turnarounds, a lot of stuff going on with COVID. Um, is that about the right amount? Is it about 20 million? It should be similar sequential decline in the fourth quarter as usual, or is this year different? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we want to, you know, really get into that specific about Q4. I think what the, the right way to look at it is we've pointed to the two big turnarounds, so Richmond and Northman. In the past, we've said each is about $5 million, you know, uh, uh, of an effect. And then I think we got to think about uh, the fact that Regen is, you know, uh, is coming back. Uh, so if, you, if you compare to last year, Q4, Regen is coming back, uh, and to the extent it's down a bit, the impact is not going to be as severe as as normal because we do have the large turnaround uh, in, in Richmond, and uh, Q4 is a seasonally low quarter, so you know the operating rates will not have as severe an impact. But you know we are uh, still looking at uh, uh, merchant being you know down, and we the other thing you should think about is we now know that the caustic soda index has settled for Q4 and as Mark pointed to a $50 US per ton lower. So I think you have to kind of do that kind of math as opposed to go sequentially. I think you're better off starting with last year Q4 and then kind of modeling in a couple of these things that we've pointed to for Q4. That's helpful, thanks. And then appreciate the comments on 21. Um, you talked about before about kind of normalized chemistry earnings being kind of a 300 to $350 million range. If we assume sort of a normal sorry, excuse me, like a reasonable cost of recovery across 21, as you talked about, you know, is it reasonable to expect you can get at least to the low point of that, of that range next year? Um, you know, anything you can provide to be a little more granular would be helpful. Maybe even you can talk about, you talk about yeah, water, so, except from water so, in 21. So, so it goes, where it comes from so the it second part. Yeah. So look, it, 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 it kind of goes like this is, is, you know, water is water is going to be going to continue to be good. You know, it, it was good this year. It's going to be good next year, right? Is is SPPC? You know, should see improvement because you know, based because we shouldn't have that trough and regen in uh, in the second quarter, right? You know, how much better depends a little bit. Not a, not a little bit. <laughs> how much better depends on. Uh, how quickly the economy recovers between driving miles and therefore refinery utilization rates and general industrial activity, which, as we said, hurt us in, in the third quarter. So it's a question of, of how quickly. And all that is, 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 is uh, uh, I don't want to say nits and bits. That's all, that's, that's all important and actually is all better than, than this year. But to get to the numbers that you're talking about, I mean, one of the factoids is that the Northeast Asian spot index for caustic is actually at its lowest point that it's been in the last 10 years, about 210 bucks right now. The 10-year average, if you want to talk about you know, run rate stuff, the 10-year average for the spot price is $350. So up U.S. $140, $150 a ton, right? So... If you normalize for what caustic pricing should be, and if you get some recovery in the HCL markets so you can run Vancouver at full rates, 
is you put all that stuff together and that's how you get to those numbers. Thank you very much. Thanks. And your next question will come from Ben Isaacson from Scotiabank. Your line is open. Thank you very much and good morning. Um, morning. Maybe just a follow up to Joel's question. Maybe I'll ask it in a bit of a different way. You know, uh, Fed Chairman Powell came out yesterday and said that any economic recovery will lead to an economy that doesn't that won't ever look the same as what it did pre-COVID. And work from home is here to stay. And 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 so when you think about that and um, maybe in that context, you could discuss what kind of trough to peak EBITDA is in each of the three segments. And if you assume, I don't know what the right number is, 60 million of kind of corporate uh, negative EBITDA, how, you know, if each of the three segments are at trough, can you fund your distribution at that level? Thank you. Well, the answer to the last question is yes. And to the to the to the more to the more detailed question, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer it. I'm going to answer it differently for you, right, is that, is that if you believe what Powell says, and, and I don't necessarily uh, agree or disagree, but if you go through our business again, is the WSSC segment has been largely unaffected by the pandemic, right? In our SPPC segment, okay, you get affected two ways. One is driving miles, and second is general industry for, for, for merchant asset demand right, is although the world might not return to normal, as Mr. Powell says, I, I believe that Americans are going to drive historic miles. So I think our regen business will actually come fully back. And if you look at the trend that's been on the last couple of years, it's actually been improving every year and, and should continue to do so, right, which actually leaves Powell's comments about what the new world can look like in the EC segment, right? And as you know, we have two moving parts in the EC segment. We have the chloralkali part and the cost and the chlorate part. As far as chloralkali is concerned, is and again we, we've we've all talked a lot about chloralkali, but the big general statement is that is that the chlorine derivatives or the vinyls snap back faster than manufacturing does, and that provides a mismatch of supply and demand between the chlorine side and the caustic side. So once the economic recovery has some duration and some breadth is we're back to, in our view, the supply demand characteristics, which actually should juice caustic pricing, even though the world looks different. So you take all that and you actually, in, in, in our view, you net back to sodium chlorate, right? And as a general statement, year over year printing Printing paper production is down about 20%, um, driven by by work at home, right? So the question is, is how much does that reverse? Okay, is I'm not sure it reverses 100%, right? Um, but there will be some reversal, and when there is some reversal, that increases demand for our sodium chloride and snugs up that market. So a long-winded answer to say is I don't disagree with Powell that actually the world is going to look different when actually it comes back to life. But I suspect that the biggest effect on chemtrade is, is, uh, is the bleach pulp production in North America and what that does to the sodium chloride business. 
Rahid, I don't know if you want to add anything to that or I'll just I'll just add one thing, which is really drilling a bit down into the Northeast Asia uh, index for caustic. So the, the other thing that's been happening there is the differential between the spot price in Northeast Asia and the contract price in Taiwan has widened considerably. It's gone up to $150 differential. Historically, it's about a $30 differential. So this kind of a dislocation, you know, these kind of dislocations can occur when there's extreme shocks to the economy like we've had with the pandemic. But really, the, the, for a contract price to be that far away from a spot price doesn't make sense. And the fundamentals will support kind of the differential getting narrower again. So two things at play. One is the, you know, going up just because of the fundamentals of chlorine and caustic molecule getting back into sync. And the other thing is the differential shrinking. So that gives more credence to, you know, uh, to, to, uh, to a recovery in the caustic market. That's great. Thank you for that uh, comprehensive answer, guys. And, and, and just as a follow-up, you know, I'm looking at your yield at 13% almost, and um, you're not alone. Enbridge is at 9% right now. Uh, when you think about that yield, what do you think the market lacks in terms of confidence and, and in terms of letting that yield sit there? I mean, when you break it into controllables versus uncontrollable or not non-controllables, you guys are kind of checking the boxes that you can. And um, when you talk about a recovery in 21, and uh, you think that's really what investors are doing is they're just nervous about when that recovery starts. Why, why are investors leaving that yield so high? Well, well is, you know, is, I, I can ask you why Scotia's yield is so high too, but I won't, right? The, um, yeah, no, good point. The, <laughs> look, I think, I, think there, I think there's a bunch of reasons. One, I think, is a general statement. I think there's great fear everywhere. Um, you know, I guess the VIX went back up and, and again, right? But uh, I think there's a couple of things that are particular to, to chemtrade, right? Is one is we've made no bones about it is that, is that we're more highly levered than we'd like to be. And it's, it's our game plan to reduce leverage. So I think actually we get penalized a little bit for that. Uh, and then secondly is historically, we've been a, a much more stable business before we actually acquired Conexus. Now we acquired Conexus off a chloralkali earnings rate, which was substantially below where we are even today, but that has actually introduced a great deal of cyclicality, uh, you know, into, into our earnings. So I think you know, my guess is you take those two comments plus the additional cyclicality for shareholders that weren't you weren't used to it and I, I think it's a I think it's a wait and see story and I think that when that index starts to move in the right direction which we believe it will I think there'll be a a, a rapid uh, effect on our unit price but I could be wrong but anyway that, that's, that's my that's my best uh, explanation of all that that's great thank you so much thanks and your next question will come from Jacob Bout from CIBC. Your line is open. Good morning, and uh, Mark, uh, wishing the best in, in retirement. Well, thanks, Jacob. Um, wanted to start uh, just uh, with North Van. Uh, did you build enough inventory to offset production um, uh, for, for the quarter? So there's, an, I mean, we can build some inventory, but frankly. 
at these, you know, at, at where the caustic price is right now, uh, you know, because also to build inventory, we got to move the chlorine, right? So we're already constrained with moving chlorine. So it's hard to, you know, we, we already are trying to sell, uh, sell out as much as we can. So if we, the only way we could build inventory of caustic is if we had excess market for chlorine. So we do a little bit, but, you know, frankly, it's, it, it's not really enough because of the constraint we have on the chlorine side. If, 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 your, if your question is directed is, can we keep our customers supplied? Yes. You know, if it's, if it's directed at, do you have enough inventory so that you won't see the cost effect of the shutdown in the corridor? The answer is no, you will see it. Okay. And you said that the plant is, is fully operational at this point? Yes. yes. Yep. Okay. Um, any update on the uh, the civil lawsuit for for General Chemical and and um, you know what what's just remind us again uh, what's what's still outstanding there? Yeah, if if if, if you recall, and actually if, if you're successful in being able to block out this stuff like I try to, um, the only thing that's left are some of these uh, derivative suits brought by one particular employee in three or four states, and those things are 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 continuing to slowly wind its way through those various straight courts. Some have been dismissed. Some of there's motions on some of them. Um, but the court world has also drastically slowed down uh, uh, in light of COVID. So we remain at the same, same views that actually is, is there's not a material risk to chemtrade, but I'd like to tell you that we've put a, a stake in the heart of all those, but it's just slow going. But again, from a financial perspective is we think we're there. Okay. And then um, the, the 19 million write down on, in SPPC, um, what was the rationale for, the, for this write down? So uh, we, we are rationalizing some capacity in, in the Gulf Coast where we have uh, you know a plant that we felt we could, uh, we could actually generate additional returns by shutting down that facility completely and moving the production to another facility, we are able to spread our costs out. And, you know, frankly, it does have a, should have a knock-on effect on, on the market as well, so. This, this is the last straw of a process. If you remember maybe a year ago, we, we actually said that we stopped producing regen assets at this facility, right? And this is just winding down the rest of it. Okay. All right, I'll leave it there, thank you. And your next question will call from will come from Paul Belenke from TD Securities. Your line is open. Uh, good morning. I hope you're both good keeping morning. well, and, and congratulations, Mark, on the upcoming retirement. Thank you. Um, so, just to start off, I was a bit surprised that uh, the SPPC segment, um, the EBITDA, was essentially flat compared to Q2, um, given the better refinery utilization rates. And I would have thought maybe overall industrial demand uh, for merchant would have also improved modestly. Um, what, what were the dynamics at play here as to why there wasn't, uh, you know, some quarter over quarter improvement there? Yeah, look, there, there's, there's, to, to, there, there, here, there's, there's a minor thing, right? The one minor thing is, is the hurricanes that were down there wasn't a material hit to us, but it probably cost us a couple million bucks. Um, you know, um, the, the bigger thing is um, your comment is right about refineries, but what I think surprised 
us a little too, if you, if, if and again, to be honest, is that is that despite what you read in the newspapers, is I think a bunch of industrial production in North America was actually weaker in the third quarter than it was in the second quarter. The second quarter hit drivers, right? And that's you saw it in refineries. But the third quarter seemed to hit general industry. And, and I say that because the, the, the biggest reason we actually didn't see incremental increase there, or, you know, is, that, is that our merchant acid volume and therefore profitability was down. So again, we view that as, you know, as a COVID effect that didn't make the newspapers you know, yet, yet everyone saw the refineries and people not driving in the second quarter. But I think the effect on industrial production in the third quarter uh, was was lighter than people knew about, and that affected our merchant asset volume, which act, which affected uh, our profitability. So those are the two points, really. Okay, great. That's very helpful. Um, and maybe staying with that segment. And the last piece of last big piece there, um, ultra pure. Um, you know, in your in your 2021 outlook, you noted that you expect ultra pure demand to be up year over year, uh, but still below pre-pandemic levels. Um, you know, in recent quarters, I thought uh, you had stated that it was not really being impacted by the pandemic, and you know that you could sell still sell as much as you could produce essentially. Um, have you seen any softening in that business recently? And can you can you speak to what's going on there? So there's you know it's uh, there's always some short term stuff that happens there, but the long term fundamentals are still very strong. The U.S. is still short product. There's actually you know potentially uh, some new, you know new capacity might be required there in the next two three years. So uh, you know while there's some short term you know supply chain kind of issues that come up from time to time. Uh, we still think that, you know, the future there is, is, is really strong uh, in the U.S. Um, okay, great. Um, uh, and turning to um, the water chemicals, uh, you've done a really good job stabilizing that business and then, and then growing the margins. Looking ahead, I know you said that you expect the volume to remain relatively stable next year. Is there anything more you can do, do on um, – sort of the margin side to drive additional EBITDA growth or is, uh, you know, the hundred million dollar annual level sort of the right way to think about that business moving forward. I think, I think, look, we're going to continue actually growing margins, but the step change growth that actually you've seen over the last couple of years is going to slow down because we did a lot and fixed a lot. Right. But, we still have we still have uh, plans and desires to actually continue growing the margins, and we will. Just that actually the the, the material increase you saw over the last couple of years actually, you know that that'll dampen down. That's great. Thank you very much. I will turn it over. Thanks, Paul. Your next question will come from David Newman from Desjardins. Your line is open. Also, congrats, uh, Mark, on the on the retirement, and uh, and hello, uh, Rohit. Hi, uh, thank you. Very welcome. I hope you have a great uh, great retirement. Uh, tough time to kind of in the middle of winter, but uh, hopefully hopefully everything uh, gets settled down here. Um, hydrochloric acid obviously been the, the limiter on on utilization and and whatnot, as you flagged. And uh, what is the actual utilization that you're seeing? in this current environment because of that limiter? And I guess the second part of that question would be, 
does a Biden administration limit the limiter, <laughs> I guess, so to speak? Yeah. So I guess in terms of the capacity utilization, you know, we are running at about 75% or so uh, capacity utilization. We think it should start to go up. And your question on the on the new administration, uh, you know, the expectation is that there will be higher stimulus spending, which you know should should be a should be a benefit to general industrial activity. But as you know, our, our you know the HCL is very much driven by fracking and. We think that you know again, oil should start to go up, and the predictions are that we should start to see over fifty dollar oil, which is a good sign for fracking. And fracking can turn on a dime, as you know. It, it happens. You know, those decisions are made on a weekly basis, so can quickly ramp up. Yeah. So all in all, I think you know we uh, already will expect to see utilization rates higher next year uh, in, in North Vancouver, and that's without building in a very strong HCL recovery. And if you do see that oil go up, then it could be better than that. And what's the actual conversion rate now of the chlorine? And, um, and, and if you look at the mix that you have, I know you made an effort uh, earlier in the year to kind of push it towards industrial. Do you, do you think that fracking might be partially impaired? Or what's your, what's your view, and, and does it give you sort of strategically thinking about maybe reallocate more of the hydrochloric acid to other areas? So we've, right now we are converting about 25% of the chlorine molecule into HCl. Uh, we have the ability, as you may recall, to go up to 60%. So we are definitely on the low end of, of where, we, you know, where we are today. Um, and in terms of HCl, yeah, we did develop uh, an industrial market. But again, there, there are some limits to how big that market is. So frankly, we are moving more chlorine, even though it's being moved at, you know, the, the marginal ton is at, 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 you know, kind of even at a loss at times on a net back basis. So we do have the, you know, the flexibility to go back into HCL now into uh, fracking. Now fracking, what's interesting is there's, there's traditional fracking. There's also a use in oil sands of, uh, of different technologies with HCL being used there. And of course, in the longer term horizon, there's still that whole LNG project, which you know has still is still in the works. We don't know when it's going to be, whether it's two years out or whatever. But there is, you know, there. Plus, you know, we will consider looking at other uh, uses for you know chlorine, whether it's other derivatives that we can tap into. But we are trying to, you know, right now we are we are moving as much HCL as we can into the, into, into the industrial market. Okay, and then. Um... If you look at the, you know, I, I'm not sure where we were in 2020 versus 2019, et cetera, but um, the turnaround uh, as you head into sort of 2021, what's sort of the anticipated slate of turnarounds, I guess, into next year and, and, and in terms of quarters and, and where? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's the normal activity. So, you know, 2020 was unusual with the North Vancouver, unusual in the sense North, North Vancouver was every two years. And uh, the region one is once every five years. So, you know, we should go back to kind of a 2019 uh, uh, frequency and, and uh, of turnarounds. In terms of quarters, you know, we do tend to have them, you know, uh, slightly higher in, the, in, in Q4 and Q1. That's, so I think you should look back at 2019 as kind of the uh, frequency, but nothing unusual in 21. Excellent. All right, thank, thank you, gentlemen, and congrats again, Mark, on the, on the retirement. Thank you, David. And your next question will come from Andre Leno from National Bank. Your line is open. 
Hi, uh, good morning. Uh, just, uh, most of my questions have been asked, actually, but just one. Uh, I, I was wondering if you, uh, how do you feel about your covenants? I mean, with uh, the Q4 being a bit hit uh, and, you know, uh, 2021 looking a bit weaker, I mean, do, do you see any need to amend uh, the covenants on your uh, credit facilities again? So uh, no. when we did, uh, the, the short answer is no, and the short answer is no, but we did, you know, uh, when, we, when we went and got covenant uh, amendments, we purposely took a very negative view of the world and we went out two years. So we are, you know, well below, you know, the covenant, for example, is going to be at five and a quarter and we, we are at 3.6. So even if you model in a weaker Q4, we're, we're going to be nowhere close to, to the covenant. Oh, great. Thank you very much. That's great. That's it for me. Thank you. Again, if Thanks. anybody would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from Steve Hansen from Raymond James. Your line is open. Yes, good morning, guys. How are you doing? Um, hey, Mark, I'm just going to reflect back. This this might not be, be you know, a question for you. It might be for Scott or, or Rohit here. But just your comments about, you know, EC segment or Connexus introducing more volatility or cyclicality into your business. I mean, how do you feel about that business in the portfolio longer term? Um, you know, as you stand here today, obviously not something you'd want to sell in the current environment or recognize that, but is this, you know, is this moving up your thoughts around what you want to do with that business longer term? Well, you know, it's, it's, you know we, we've had this talk before, but if you remember, as we, we bought it off a really, really low run rate of earnings, right? And, and we've said a, a number of sessions and still will, right? That, uh, that the macro supply demand characteristics, which have been distorted by COVID, are still really positive for that business and for lots of years, five, seven years of increasing pricing, right? Um, although they don't go out that far, I guess they go out five years, right? Yeah. Uh, and we think it's we, we think it's we think it's a nice business, and although it's actually added some cyclicality, is it, it's also a cyclicality primarily on the upside and we think it's actually beneficial and and when you couple one cyclical business with businesses that are generally stable we think it's a nice collection of uh of assets and having said all that is uh in february you get to ask scott and see whether or not he disagrees with me but uh that's 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 the current headspace, and uh, I think the company as a whole is much better with it than than it would be without it. No, that's helpful. Thanks. And and just to try and get a sense for you know what we should be monitoring to understand the limitations on North Van in particular. Rohit had already talked about some of vacating some of the HCL and the chlorine, but is it the general economic activity in just the BC region that you're looking to move or, or how far out should we be looking for that radius to understand where you're vacating? Because the way I think about it is, you know, fracking rates and activity levels are actually up a little bit lately. So it really strikes me that it's the economic activity levels on chlorine that have, have been the limiting factor. So I'm trying to get a sense for where and how what we should be watching here to get you back to full rates for the plant. I'm going to tell you it's a it's a it's a complex uh, equation because it goes is it goes like this right it's it's actually expensive to move HCl and chlorine but you can move it right you know so the question gets to be is is how far can you move it and what do you get it what do you get back 
in order to let you sell caustic. So the higher price caustic is, the further you could actually move those other products and find a home, right? So we, we sell HCL beyond just Western Canada. We sell down into the U.S., into the Midwest, and, you know, California. We move lots of chlorine down the West Coast of the U.S., right? But it gets to be an analysis of, of your, your margin on your ECU unit as a whole and where you start, start knocking into other competitors, right? So you get to look at broader than just fracking in Western Canada. You can look at fracking in the Midwest and in Dakotas, right? And you can also look at, you know, are some of the vinyl guys, you know, want to use more of their own chlorine internally and vacate some of the markets they serve for other purposes. But it, it's, a, it, it's a complicated analysis from the outside. Okay, understood. And I'll just uh, echo everybody else and say congratulations and I uh, wish you the best retirement. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Take care. Cheers. Your next question will call from, come from Paul Belenke from TD Securities. Your line is open. Uh, thanks again. Just uh, one more quick one. Um, you recently entered into uh, your uh, receivables purchase facility. Uh, would you be able to share at all uh, your expectations on the amount of receivables you're expecting to sell under this facility uh, and the timing there? Yeah, so uh, we did enter into this facility. It's, uh, you know, it's for a select group of customers. And, uh, you know, so we could, I would say on average, you know, draw maybe 40, $40 million or, or 50, between 40, $50 million. And basically it just reduces working, it reduces working capital and gives us, a, you know, a, a optimization of cash. It's a, you know, reasonably priced facility and it's a non-recourse facility. So it does have the benefit of, you know, being totally non-recourse and so, and off balance sheet, so it doesn't affect any covenants. Um, yeah, so it, it's just a positive. I wouldn't say it's a huge thing, but it's, it's you know, it, it is a bit positive, yeah. All right, that's great. Thanks again. Welcome. I have no further questions. Thank you. I turn the call back over to the presenters for closing remarks. Well, as usual, thank us. Thanks everyone for their attention. Is as, uh, as I joke, I think this is only my 78th consecutive analyst uh, quarterly conference call. So uh, I will I will happily turn over next quarter to uh, Rohit and Scott. But uh, thanks for everyone's uh, attendance, and uh, I will look forward to seeing you all at some point in time. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. This will bring, this will bring the, the conference call today to a close. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.